The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Tuesday edition of PFTOT, all the things that we couldn't fit into the time that we had for two hours of radio and TV. Chris Sims, Mike Florio here. And one thing that caught my eye, you know, this L.A. Rams team, they have paid a lot of players. They have paid Aaron Donald. They've paid Todd Gurley. They probably regret that one. They paid Brandon Cooks. They're going to have to pay Jared Goff at some point. Robert Woods, a guy they paid a couple of years ago, a five-year, $34 million contract, he believes he's outperformed his contract. And I don't know about that, but I do know this. His production last year, slightly better than Cook's, and Cook's got five years, 81. That's a huge difference. That's almost $50 million in total value over five-year contracts in difference between Cook's and Woods. I can understand why Woods wants more money. The problem is he's got three more years under contract. What are the Rams going to do? Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, yes, does he deserve a little bit more money? Certainly. I mean, it was a great year last year. Okay, but we also got to keep this into play here. First off, you know, hey, Brandon Cooks was the focal point of the offense. You know, when teams did want to double team or take somebody away, they were going to take away Brandon Cooks. You know, the other thing I would argue against Robert, Woods this was his first thousand year year of his career I mean this is really the first kind of like marquee numbers year of his career I mean you know then on the other hand Brandon Cooks is that that's the fourth year in a row he's gone over a thousand yards receiving you know so I look at that and then you know Robert Woods two years ago in the 2017 season Todd Gurley Cooper Cup then Robert Woods was third as far as receiving on the team so it's one year that's where I sometimes push back against the player to go okay wait you're good and you have outperformed your contract to a degree, but you haven't like, you know, done it year after year after year where you've outperformed it. It's been one year. I don't know if I can get behind him as far as demanding more money quite yet. Well, and I think he realizes now is the time to try to strike yeah. because they've yet to sign Jared Goff. Cooper Cup's going to be up for a new deal. Right. Maybe I better get mine while I can. The problem is he signed that five-year, $35 million contract. That's why I don't like long-term contracts. Yeah. I prefer short-term contracts because then you are bound longer than you want to be, and you see how the market changes. You see how the dynamics on your own team change two years big difference and he did have a big season from a production standpoint but you're right if he's not the number one guy he's not commanding the extra attention and he's going to get the benefit of single coverage it, it you know if he would go somewhere else would he and didn't have Brandon Cooks there would he have that same production right. you know it's it's not like he was regarded as a can't miss number one guy when he jumped from the Bills to the Rams I was surprised yeah. they gave him what they gave him yeah when he became a member of the Rams a couple of years ago so he's played well but I agree with you it it's hard to make the argument that he needs more, but I can understand why he's trying to do it now because next year it may not be there for him. It may be see you later, Robert Woods. Might be. Cooper Cup is the new number two behind Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I, I think ultimately, you know, that's what he probably does have to be scared about. You know, I think ultimately, I don't know if Robert Woods is really ever a number one wide receiver. I think he's really just an awesome number two uh, that way. But, you know, have another good year for Robert Woods. And then, you know, guys like me and, and you know, you, I think we would totally back him to go, you know what, okay, 2,000-yard seasons in a row. There's a guy on the roster who's making 
you know, more than double he is and they're putting up the same uh, type of production, I can get behind that and totally do it. But I think it's a little too early in that process. Contractual issues, not the same extent in Pittsburgh as they had been because Le'Veon Bell is gone. Antonio Brown is gone. And the Steelers have mandatory minicamp this week. And it shouldn't be news that everyone is going to be there. But in Pittsburgh, it is news because there's this sense that they are all on the same page. They're all going to be there. They're all working together. They're all coming together to try to put the Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell ugliness behind them. And also, I think there's a level of resentment that so many people just assume the Cleveland Browns, after being downtrodden for all these years, just instantly are going to take charge of a division that the Steelers have been one of the premier teams in for the past 18 years. And I, I, the, the, the ingredients are there, Chris, and, and I'm encouraged. You know, I've already said I think the Steelers are going to win that division. I'm very encouraged that everyone's on the same page and will be present for mandatory minicamp. It is refreshing. I mean, it, it's been a good offseason for the Steelers as far as, yeah, yeah, I mean, they've been in the headlines, yes, but – you know, more for things that were done way in the past. Like, we'd like to see Ben Roethlisberger be a better teammate. It was nothing, like, new and relevant to where we had to just constantly uh, talk about them or the dysfunction of something that's going on with the team. I mean, when we did talk about them more times than not, it was because Antonio Brown, again, decided to take another shot at the Steelers or somebody that used to play for the Steelers taking a shot at Ben Roethlisberger. It was a quiet offseason, though, just as far as the guys in that locker room. And I think that does bode well for the Pittsburgh Steelers you know less distractions yes take that me against the world type of attitude and more times they're not you know with that and maybe feeling like you've underperformed the last two years to the capabilities of your team that can certainly put a, a real hot poker on on everybody's butt in the organization well especially when you have a head coach who yeah and we we don't know with the Steelers because they don't fire anybody and I think they pride themselves on this notion that they've only had three coaches since 1969 but I think Mike Tomlin's starting to feel it a little bit and I think that the, the, the sense that he's under siege you know that may help the players rally around him as well sure. and, and even more you know it it has to happen organically but when it happens you run with it and there is a sense that the Steelers have come together this year in a way that they never really have before at least not in recent years and they're going to benefit from that because there's still a lot of talent on both sides of the ball even even with Bell and Brown gone. Yeah, there is. It's still a defense that's got, got you know special players in the front seven. You had a Devin Bush at the middle linebacker spot to replace a Ryan Shazier. Made some improvements in the secondary. I go, okay, Steeler defense is real. Steeler offensive line is still one of the better offensive lines in football. You know, Connor Cook, we saw, I mean, uh, not James Connor, we saw that he can certainly, you know, handle a, a good amount of the duties as far as a running back is concerned. And I'm not worried about, you know, the pass game. Uh, first of all, Ben Roethlisberger is fantastic, and the wide receivers are good enough, along with Vance McDonald at tight end, to go, I think this will all work in a, in a good system and, and Big Ben at quarterback still. All right, also in the AFC North, you've got the team that nobody is paying attention to, the Cincinnati Bengals, and Joe Mixon, who has become a very good running back in only a couple of years in the NFL. He entered with some, some controversy after the way things uh, uh, happened for him in Oklahoma with that vicious punch. I think the day he arrived on campus, there was a, a female he was arguing with and, and uh, the cameras caught him just an, an like a Ray Rice style knockout punch. And uh, he's overcome that. He's stayed out of trouble and he believes the Bengals are going to surprise a lot of people this year. And you know what? 
I'm not ready to sign on to it. It won't shock me if it happens because one of the key ingredients in being a team that can maybe surprise people is being overlooked, being yeah. a team that you, know, you you get a chip on your shoulder about that. Guys start working harder, and also they don't have the burden of the extra pressure that comes from being a darling like the Browns do. It's, right. You know, you, you, can, you can get your guys uh, – amply pissed off and also they don't get swollen heads until they start winning football games and it won't surprise me if the Bengals are better than we expect them to be just because we're not we have no expectations for the Bengals this year you're right but I think they're on that like short list of teams that I would have at least uh, like written down in a corner in a notebook somewhere to go Ooh, watch out. These could be the surprise teams of football. I know you and I both like the, the Jets and Bills along that lines. Uh, I, of course, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars would be a team where I'd go watch out for them this year. And the Cincinnati Bengals. But that won't be a surprise no, if well, that happens. I know, but some people, I have I have friends ask me, who should I watch out for this year? And I go, well, I'd, I'd watch out for Jacksonville. I know it's maybe not for you and me, or you and me, because we're like in the woods, in the weeds with football all day long, and, and we get it. But I think some people in the public have forgot about it so I know but I'm just saying those are the teams I would say to watch out for for big turnarounds from where they were last year this Bengals team three things that jump out to me first of all overlooked like you said certainly can play into okay we want to prove people wrong new energy in the building that's a real thing when you got a new head coach new bosses new people it's fresh it feels good you want to impress your new bosses uh, so everything's kind of tightened up that way that can lead to more wins and the bottom line is the Bengals have some talent at some key positions. I mean, they got weapons on offense. They got a playoff quarterback. They've improved their O-line. They got Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap and Dre Kirkpatrick and, and, and William Jackson, who I think is one of the five or six best corners in football. So, yeah, I would not be shocked if there are certainly a pain in the butt to most teams in the AFC. We talked about this during the show today as it relates to between the Jets and Bills, whether one of those two teams can rise up and contend for a wild card berth. What a scramble it is going Man, to be. Man, right? I mean, you, you could make an argument that any of the four AFC North teams, or at least any of the three that don't win the division, will be in the mix for wild card yep. berths. Any of the three teams in the AFC South that don't win the division can be in the mix for wild card berths. AFC West, between the Broncos and the Raiders, I feel like one of them is not going to be as bad as they were last year. Right. You throw them in with the Raiders, or the Chargers, excuse me, and the Chiefs, You've not enough playoff spots to go around. They're talking about expanding the playoff field. Maybe they they should, right? Maybe it should go to 16 teams or at least 14 teams because there's a lot of good teams out there that aren't going to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, well, I mean, there are a lot of good teams out there that aren't going to make it to the playoffs as of uh, June. What is this today's date? June 11th. So, you know, and I know we're you and I, we're excited about a lot of teams, you know, outlook and the, what it looks like on paper. But, yeah, we got to see what it looks like. But you're right. It seems like the AFC, at the very least, has unbelievable quarterback play. That's where I look at the AFC. Young quarterback old quarterbacks they got it all and yeah I mean we, we didn't even go into the AFC East with like the Bills and Josh Allen and Sam Darnold okay those are two guys we could go they explode onto the scene this year all of a sudden those teams are back in the playoff conversation so should be a fun year I think we all know who the lead dog is in the house in New England it's just going to be who's two three four five and six after that but you're right here's what happens and and the biggest factor is injury we don't know who, we don't know when, we don't know how long they're going to be out, we don't know how the replacement's going to do, but injuries will dramatically alter the fortunes of some of these teams that we look at right now as being good teams. Right. And you, by 
Halloween was like, yeah, forget it. That team isn't. Yeah. So it, it, it works itself out. And I've said this recently. If every team had Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the rest of the Patriots roster, there would still be a team that's 12-4 and four and a team that's 4-12 and 12 because the bounce of the ball is going to determine a lot of the outcomes of these games. Injuries, luck, bad calls. Right. That's Momentum, how sometimes yeah. good teams separate from bad teams. Yep. And it can still be a good team at 6-10, and 10, but your record says you're a bad team, so I don't care how good you think you are. All right. The Eagles still think Deshaun Jackson is very good. They brought him back after a five-year absence. And he won't just be running the nine routes and catching the passes from Carson Wentz. Back into the return game for Deshaun Jackson. And, boy, that makes sense. One of the most electrifying moments. We, we Coaching decisions that oh, backfired. How about seriously? punting to Deshaun Jackson in You're that right. game all those years ago? Right. That was unbelievable. Medical uh, Miracle at the Meadowlands Part 2, basically, right there. But, hey, I love it. You know, this is what I love about the Philadelphia Eagles. It's just constant pressure chips in the middle of the table we'll sign free agents we're gonna make a trade we're gonna sign our quarterback we're gonna do things in the draft whatever it is that's what I love about this Eagles organization right now Howie Roseman the owner you know uh Doug Peterson it's an aggressive mindset they have and here's another yeah, they're not afraid to, to push the limits on offense we know their defense can be aggressive oh here's the third phase of the game and they're not gonna let you off the hook there either they're gonna put one of the best playmakers they got available to them and Deshaun Jackson can still go and be in that conversation for one of the better punt returners in football. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the Eagles do this year. Carson Wentz stays healthy. This is a potential Super Bowl team. And last year, they were a potential Super Bowl team with Nick Foles yeah. getting it together for the Eagles late in the year. I just the, the start of the season was so weird with Wentz still being injured, and they, they kind of got away from the things they did in 2017, but they yep. pulled it together near the end. And if they get the benefit of the full offseason with Wentz and he stays healthy and Deshaun Jackson can get back to what he was when he was with the Eagles before – it could be a very, very special year for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, one more topic before we go. And and look, this is a serious subject, but it's something we need to address. Because Kellen Winslow, once upon a time, was one of the highest profile players in the NFL. Kellen Winslow II, yeah. the son of the Hall of Famer. Sixth overall pick in the draft in 2004 by the Cleveland Browns. He had his knee wrecked when he was out riding a motorcycle and doing tricks. He was doing the front end wheelie, the endo, and he wrecked and his knee was shot and he still found a way to keep playing in the NFL with no cartilage of any kind in that knee that got destroyed and caused him to miss all of the 2005 season. Winslow facing serious charges in San Diego. A jury has been deliberating 12 counts against him, five different alleged victims, three counts of rape. And as of now, the jury has reached a verdict on four counts, including one rape count. The jury is deadlocked as to eight other counts involving two other rape claims, and they will try one last time on Tuesday to get this resolved before the judge declares a hung jury as to the eight remaining counts. Now, Winslow already looking at 15 years to life. Dan Wetzel of Yahoo points out, as a practical matter, it's eight or nine years before he'd be released. If he gets convicted on these other rape counts, he's got a much bigger problem. But, Chris, here's the thing that amazes me. Yeah. From a legal standpoint, I mean, think about this. This jury already has concluded that he's a rapist. Yes. And the fact that they're struggling to find him guilty of rape in the other two cases, that tells me that they are holding the prosecution accountable for what evidence they put in, how yeah. credible the witnesses are, because they've already labeled the guy a rapist, so right. they know he's capable of rape, but they're still reluctant to convict him on these other counts 
because of the, the, you know, the quality of the testimony. One of the incidents happened in 2003. One of the alleged victims of Jane Doe number one was not a very compelling witness on cross-examination. Right. remember that. And the jury's just, you know, it would have been very easy for the jury to say, well, we think he did it as to this one. We believe it as to all of them. And he's going away for all of these counts. And uh, they're not doing that. And, and it may very well be that the prosecutor has to decide, do we retry him on these eight other counts or just take the victories that we've gotten and move on? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's fascinating as far as where it goes. I mean, it's troubling. I, I, I don't even know what to say about it. As a guy that I know as a pure football player, I had extremely high hopes for. I mean, coming out of Miami, right? You know, Jer sandwiched in between Jeremy Shockey and Greg Olson at the tight end position. Seemed like he loved football. Okay, yep, seemed like a little bit of a knucklehead off the field early on in his career with the motorcycle stuff and some, you know, animated interviews, you know. Um, but Man, the things I've heard over the last few years and some of the things he's been uh, caught doing, accused of doing, um, God, it just is, it's a shame. And it's hard to believe because the father, Kellen Winslow, is just couldn't be a nicer man in my experiences with him. Even in college football, he announced some of my football games that way. Always thought he was so pleasant, the way he talked, and of course was a great player. Uh, but man, it seems like Kellen Winslow, uh, the, the third here, has, has got some real issues going on. Kellowins are the second, second place. The Browns, Buccaneers, yeah. Patriots, Jets played up until 2013. And just, you know, he's had a string of off-field incidents. This is by far the most troubling, forcible rape of a 58-year-old homeless woman. And as it relates to Jane Doe number one, another woman who was homeless or close to it, who was out hitchhiking that day. You know, the problem is when you prey upon people who don't communicate well, who aren't part of normal society, and they have to come in and they have to testify under oath, yeah. They may not be as good as as someone who is a professional who is used to communicating and right. and presents well and I think that that may be a problem here and that's what makes it even more heinous that he preys on people who ultimately won't be good witnesses, maybe won't call the cops, won't do anything about it and we know that he's guilty as to raping at least one homeless woman aged 58. We'll see what happens with the other two pending rape counts as the jury goes forward. A troubling situation. And look, the NFL is a very broad cross-section of individuals. And statistically, with all the numbers of guys you have over the years, there will be people at every end of the spectrum. And it's just a shame that this happened. But uh, it's good that he's being brought to justice. And we'll see if the jury can resolve these other counts or whether or not there'll be a hung jury and possibly a retrial on those remaining counts. Right, That does it for this Tuesday edition of PFT. OT. We'll be back again on Wednesday. Chris, when's the next Unbuttoned podcast? Oh, we got it coming today. We're going to talk about my quarterback rankings. We got a few other lists we're going to talk about. So that'll be out by uh, this afternoon at some point. Will there be an appearance by dad? Uh, he's supposed to be. I'm waiting for my text response from him. I texted him right before we started PFT OT to remind him. So uh, he should be. He's, he's a Tuesday staple. He should be on there. Well, I look forward to that. He, he was great when he was on with us last week. Looking forward to having him on with us again. If you're looking forward to hearing more from Phil Sims, you'll hear him later today on the Chris Sims Unbutton podcast. PFT PM coming later today, unless I choose to wait until tomorrow. I reserve the right to choose between today and tomorrow. Or maybe I won't do either day, or maybe I'll do both days. There's only one way, one way to find out. It is compa uh, compandatory, compulsory and mandatory. I've made a Chris Sims word. It's I was compandatory say, what? that we return tomorrow. Compandatory edition of PFT Live. We, we've been going for three and a half hours, man. I got nothing left. Yes. But we'll be back again at it tomorrow. Chris, great job today. Thank you for leaving Malcolm Butler on the board. 
for me with the draft. I was very grateful to you for that boneheaded no decision. I won the draft. And uh, we'll, we'll see what people think about it on Twitter and Instagram. But I have a feeling that t- you had it yesterday. I'll give yeah, you that one. Yeah. I got it today. Okay. All right, we'll have see. a great no day. No problem. See you. See everybody tomorrow. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.